This Janet Mefford Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Bible League International. Please help us send 1,200 Bibles to persecuted Christians in Asia. $5 sends one Bible, $35 sends seven. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 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 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. You can always count on fake news CNN to take some irrefutable statement by President Trump and find a way to smear him over it. This is actually pretty hilarious. This is a recent case in point. I'm reading directly now from a CNN story. President Donald Trump repeated racist talking points and downplaying police violence against black Americans during a CBS News interview, claiming that more white people are dying at the hands of law enforcement than black people. But then just three paragraphs later, CNN admits this. A federal study evaluating data on deaths between 2009 and 2012 due to lethal force by law enforcement found that a majority of victims were white. Wait, so did CNN just repeat racist talking points by making that admission? Of course not, because we all know President Trump is the racist regardless of the truth. And this behavior, as we know, is really typical of the left. They have a name of taking down the president at any cost with any lie. And as the president recently stated in a meme that was, of course, taken down by Twitter, they're not after me, they're after you. And as my next guest points out, the defamation is about power, and that's why exposing it is so important. So we're going to talk about it all today with Kurt Schlichter. He is senior columnist at townhall.com, retired U.S. Army colonel and trial lawyer. He is out with a new book. We're going to discuss the 21 biggest lies about Donald Trump and you. Kurt, great to have you with us. Thanks for being here today. Hi, Janet. Great to be here. Well, thank you so much. Hey, you know, I was thinking about this. We remember Bush derangement syndrome back in the day, but we see the left really spiraling out of control over Trump. You think of the screaming women on the on the pavement on Inauguration Day. What do you what do you think it is about this president that has made leftists totally lose their minds? Well, look, I don't think it's about the president, Janet. I think it's about us, normal Americans, the Americans who built this country, who feed it, who fuel it who go to church or synagogue, who defend this country. They despise us. And the thought that they are no longer in power drives them nuts. And it's even more complicated than that, because they realize how terrible they are. Because they've screwed everything up. You look at you look at the you know the, the ruling elite from the forties, and they they beat Hitler and brought us out of the depression. That's something to be proud of. And in the sixties, they they put a man on the moon, and they 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 really did dismantle structural racism, mm-hmm. which is a great achievement. Of course, it was imposed and continued by Democrats, but that's beside the point. <laughs> and then. Yeah. Let, let, let's let's look at the people who, who, who are our betters today, the people who look down on us as, you know, knuckle-dragging Jesus gun people, which is, I don't drag my knuckles. The other parts are true. Um, they look down on us, and what have they achieved? Well, they gave us Iraq, they gave us the Wall Street meltdown, and they gave us apps like Grindr. Okay, not a track record of success. No. No, and a lousy economy, too. With Trump's booming economy, that makes them look even worse when oh, they go back to the course. wonderful days of Obama, right? <laughs> exactly. It's just humiliating for them because all they have 
is their own self-image. I, I, I look at the, 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 the folks who make up the folk, people who control our institutions and those who support them. And what I think of is, you know, the third generation Rockefellers in Ford. Now, we all know Henry Ford and John Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller. We all know who they are, but we don't know who their great-grandkids are. Their great-grandkids are probably, you know, shooting dope in a band somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I mean, these are not these people didn't build the institutions they run. They didn't struggle to uh, uh, create them and, and sustain them. They just they're just like given an inheritance. They're living off America's cultural trust fund. So that's all falling apart. And then the peasants, well, they're revolting, Janet, and they elected this guy who doesn't respect them. Trump does not respect them, and that drives them nuts. Yeah, it really does. Well, this claim that Trump is a racist, they love, you know, the whole race narrative, you know, has been just everywhere in the last several months. Trump is a racist, but I guess that Governor Blackface Northam can get away with it in Virginia, and Nick Cannon can go on an anti-white tirade, and that's no biggie. Well, look, you're doing what normal people do. And what I do when I'm uh, in court, because I'm a trial lawyer in Los Angeles, I take facts and evidence and present them to people and, and trust them to make a reasoned verdict based on those facts and evidence. But that's not what happens here anymore. Among the uh, uh, left, the facts don't matter. The conclusions matter, and the facts change. This is why three months ago we were getting shouted at for being idiots for wanting to wear masks, and now we're being told we're worse than Hitler if we don't. Right. It's, it, it, I mean, they can make a one, it, it's easy to make a 180 on something when, you, when the facts don't matter at all. Well, this is right. And Trump overreacted by trying to ban foreign travel into the United States early on. What was it, February, when he enacted that to try January. to... January. January, that's right. It was January. But but that was about the time, wasn't it, when Nancy Pelosi was parading around Chinatown saying everything is perfectly yes, fine? Yeah. Yes, it was. Look, I, you know, it's interesting. All these elite institutions, which are all having problems, everything from the CDC to academia to professional sports to the media to Hollywood, they're all, they all had structural problems going in. Plus, they're being led by losers. And this whole COVID thing is just really showing how, how messed up they were. And, you, you know, I would feel better if Nancy Pelosi, the Nancy Pelosi type people who were wrong at the beginning said, you know, I was wrong at the beginning. We didn't know everything. I, I tried the best I can. I see I was wrong. Now you can try. And I'd be more willing to trust someone who admits their fault. But, but these guys don't. I've never seen people who have so much reason to be humble, who have so little humility. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Nancy and her, what was it, $25,000 refrigerator talking about oh. the 1%? <laughs> Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's like they're not even trying. One of the themes of my book, 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, and the and you is very, very important, because Trump's really just an avatar for us normal people. Yeah. One of the themes is, I, I kind of wonder throughout, are these guys stupid, or do they just think we're stupid? Good question. What do you think the answer is? Uh, I think it's a little column A and a little column B. Really, you know, I I, I have never met people who had such an inflated opinion of their own intellect who were so dumb. You know, Janet, what really drives me crazy is is the ego of these people and their weird credentialism. You know, I went to X college, so I'm wonderful. Now, look, I, I, I have a degree from... UC Sandia, one of the, you, yeah, it's one of the top 10 or top 20 colleges in the country. And I went to Loyola Law School, which is, well, one of the top three law schools in Los Angeles. I went to the Army War College. You know, pretty exclusive. You've got to be a colonel. Uh, I have their credentials. So I, I've got all, you know, I mean, you know, I, meet, I check their boxes. But 
Just yesterday, I had a gentleman come in who probably didn't go to college. And I said, hey, my garage had a leak. I, I need this drywall replaced. And he looked at it, did some measurements, did some thinking, and said, okay, I could do X, Y, and Z. I didn't know what the heck he was saying because he has a skill I don't have. Right. Why doesn't that guy have respect? He works hard. He provides something that I, for all my fancy diplomas sitting there on the wall I'm looking at, I can't do what this guy did. I say he deserves respect. I say everybody who works hard and contributes and supports their family and defends and supports their country. I say they deserve respect, and we need to move past this this, this credential baloney that our, our garbage elitism embraced. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, and the other thing is when you're talking about the elitism, the, you know, the whole movement about, hey, Yale, why don't you cancel yourself if you're all worried oh, about this? hilarious. I mean, really? Well, it never will. No, of course. no, 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 no. And then you have University of Pennsylvania wanting to remove a statue of George Whitfield because he was for slavery long ago, even though he was very involved in ministry to slaves. And, and he's tucked away in a, in a courtyard. You can't even see that statue. Th- these people well, are crazy. Well, no, I, no I, I think they're actually geniuses. This is an information operation. It can, you know, I was an infantry officer. Kinetic fight is when you shoot people and you make them do things by, like, you know, killing them. Information operations are more sinister and more subtle. They, they, they work on your mind to get you to take the action that you want them to take. Yeah. And by destroying statues, what they do is they send a message that your history doesn't matter, that uh, the police can't protect you, that you are helpless and that we are in charge, which is all a lie. The only reason they get are allowed to do this is they have Democrat mayors backed up with Democrat district attorneys who provide cover for them and let them do this because the, the, the actual violence is on par with a, you know, a Lakers game win. Yeah. You know, they can yeah. clean it up in 10 minutes if yeah. they wanted to, but they're held back. And then we see it on TV and we get the impression it's chaos. But I'm looking out my window right now at Los Angeles, all of Los Angeles, including South Central, and it is peaceful and quiet. That's the reality. They want us to think it's falling apart. They want us to think it's chaos. They want to think that the president's not in control. In fact, the president is in control. We're in control. This is our country. I say we keep it. I love it. Kurt Schlichter with us. We'll come back right after this talking about the 21 biggest lies about Donald Trump and you. Stay with us on Janet Meffer today. This is Janet Mefford. We're partnering with Bible League International on Fan the Flame, Bibles for Asia. That's the theme of our new campaign. And our shared goal is to send 1,200 Bibles, both to new believers and to those who've been praying many years for their own Bible in countries like China, India, and Nepal. Imagine strengthening the faith of a new believer in China like Washi, a 30-year-old wife and mother of two who overcame illiteracy two years ago and is yearning to read her very own Bible. Or Jirish, an 80-year-old man in India who followed Hinduism for decades, but is now a new Christian determined to follow Jesus Christ. You can join the Janet Mefford listening family in sending a Bible for only $5 or $20 for $100. Call 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Just look for Fan the Flame Bibles for Asia. Thank you for caring. Are you in need of a health care program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. 
Programs start as low as $199 per month, and there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more by calling 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561 or visit libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now here's Janet. Welcome back. Thanks for being with us. If you are aware of the fact that the left hates you, you're not alone. In fact, there are 21, at least 21, big lies out there, not only about President Trump, but about you, because when they're going after him, as the president has tweeted out, they are going after you. The 21 biggest lies about Donald Trump and you is the new title from Kurt Schlichter, senior columnist at townhall.com. Kurt, you were mentioning this issue of uh, information campaign or disinformation campaign that the left is waging. They want us to think that Trump can't control anything. I mean, you were mentioning where you are in Los Angeles. It's totally peaceful except for this little area. But if you were to watch the news, you would think everything is out of control. I mean, it's the same way with the coronavirus. I mean, millions were supposed to die and it's all Trump's fault, but the millions never did die. No. uh, Once again, we were told uh, by our institutions, XYZ is going to happen. And then it didn't happen. But the the funny thing is where they got it right, which was flattening the curve, right? Remember, the idea was we want to avoid a a huge spike that will overwhelm our medical facilities. Then it will come down. But what we're doing is really spreading out the infection over time. So it's not going to go away. It's going to last longer. Well, that actually worked. We didn't overwhelm our medical system, but it's spreading out over time. That's right. And here it is. And they're and they're and, and it's like it, it, it's like they're all throwing it down the memory hole. Oh, my gosh, this is terrible. When, in fact, it's the one thing they actually predicted correctly. It's crazy. Yeah, it, you're right about that. Well, I want to talk about some of these other lies that you outline in your book. All of them are right on the money. But, for example, when they talk about Trump being literally a Nazi, you have pointed out in your book, this isn't necessarily about them saying he's, you know, become Hitler literally, although I'm sure there are some people who do believe that. It's more that he's just a paragon of evil. In other words, if they can paint him as totally evil, then the impression they give to voters is you don't want to vote for an evil man, do you? Well, it's it's like a math thing. Hitler is bad. Trump is bad. Trump is Hitler. Yeah, right. I mean, that's, that's public school math. By the transitive uh, property, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're look. I, look, I was a communications major. You just lost me. Uh, but but uh, no, it, it's so dumb. And look, I, I before I went to Desert Storm, I, I, I was stationed in Germany. I went uh, I went down to Dachau, and I looked at it because I wanted to remind myself what we what the American what the purpose of the American military was, which was to defeat this. And I actually dragged my kids to uh, Dachau. Mm-hmm. You know, other kids get to go to like skiing in Switzerland. I'm like, we're gonna go see a concentration camp because you have to. Good day. Because you need to see with your own eyes what evil is. Yeah. And to to minimize it with this idiocy about Trump being a Nazi. Okay, he's literally not a Nazi. Okay? In fact, if if you wanted a guy who was um uh, very focused, very orderly, uh, a very, very highly ideological um, 
I don't, and, and you know, in great shape and invading Poland. Um, this wouldn't be exactly the opposite of the Donald Trump we all know him. Yeah, yeah. You're right about that. Yeah, it just, it just isn't. And um, it, it, I think it's stupid, and it, it's also a bit of projection. Because if you, uh, the only totalitarian force in American politics right now is on the left. Yes. Uh, and, and they're now willing to say it. We, what they'll say is, well, we, we love free speech. We just want you to be accountable for it. Oh, sure. Well, <laughs> yeah, which means you punish people who don't say exactly what you say. Uh, and, I'm, and I think we're seeing the backlash. And I think we'll see uh, Donald Trump uh, 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 exploit that backlash in his campaign, which he should. I agree with you. And, and you, you really hit on something that was going through my mind as well. This is a big case of projection, because when you look at the Nazis, yes. they were very big on marginalizing. They were very oh, big yes. on polarizing, a la Solinsky. Yes. But also, if you look at one political realm in the United States that is all for genocide, all you have to do is look at the party that loves Planned Parenthood and will do anything for them. Oh, exactly. And boy, if you're on social media, I, look, I've, I've had people threaten me, you know, threaten to kill me and my family on social media. And I, you know, like I said, I'm an army guy I've deployed twice. I, I take that stuff seriously. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and I take the chaos seriously. I was in the, I was in Kosovo. I saw the ruins of the civil war. I was on the streets with the third uh, uh, battalion, 160th infantry during the Los Angeles riot. So I saw chaos up close and uh, I, I take this stuff seriously. And it, what it is, is a bunch of uh, uh, frivolous, ignorant, uh, pampered people playing with fire. Yeah. They don't understand history. They don't understand human nature. They, 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 think they, can, they think they can have all the advantages of the status quo while also undermining the foundations of the status quo. So what they're doing is really role-playing, you know, it's like uh, live-action role-playing of revolution. They don't understand what happens in revolutions. I kind of do. Yes, you do. That's a really good point. Something else I thought was a really good point, one of the lies that you point out in your book is Trump corrupts Christians. And of course, oh. everybody else is a bad Christian. Well, it's kind of ironic, though, because never Trumpers within Christian circles are constantly lecturing their own about this. You know, you have Christianity Today uh, and David French and that whole crew. Oh, that clown. That clown. God, I thought <laughs> I disliked Jags before. <laughs> well, look, I, 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 yeah. I knew that I, this is one I wanted to bring up, for, for, especially for your audience, because you guys are so engaged and so active. And look, I, look, I grew up as a... Uh, 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 a West Coast Methodist. I'm not even sure we had Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we just had guitars. But uh, no, seriously, the people don't understand. They kind of think, especially people who don't understand Christianity, and they think, uh, well, Christianity means if you do enough good deeds, like Santa Claus, Jesus will give you presents. Right. And this, this bizarre theology which, frankly, is a letdown from our public school, because you can't, you, you can't be an engaged citizen if you don't understand the basic tenets of Christianity, basic tenets of Judaism. Uh, I would even argue the basic tenets of Islam, because you need to know what the people, some of the people are having trouble with think. Uh, you, you can't be an engaged citizen. So we have this bizarre vision of Christianity, and uh, uh, especially uh, observant Judaism, as, as some sort of, uh, you know, Jesus is some sort of holy vending machine. If you pray enough, you get a Coke. Mm-hmm. And that's just stupid. Yeah. But it leads them to saying stupid things and not understanding that, of course, Christians are going to embrace flawed people. Guess what? We're all flawed people. Right. Why do we need Jesus? Right, right, right. Exactly. That's, that's the whole purpose. 
Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't hang around a bunch of guys who were what David French thinks he is: <laughs> tax collectors, <laughs> prostitutes, mm-hmm. uh, laborers. Uh, he he wasn't hanging around with. Uh, 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 but but you know, and, and he engaged everybody: scholars, rich men, poor men, everybody. That's who Jesus is for, sure. not for perfect people. Because then, then he wouldn't be for anybody. Right. Well, that's exactly right. You don't need a savior if there's nothing wrong with you. And again, exactly. Yeah. In the left, the thing is, we see right through them because it's on the one well, hand they disparage Christians at every turn, and on the other hand, when they find a David French, then they start putting him up as, "See, you people are falling short of your principles." They're playing a game, and we see right through it. It's it's kind of like the the ongoing kicking of white evangelicals for the last four years, like. Like they've all come up with a new story. It's the same story. They just keep recycling it, recycling it, recycling it. And they don't care if they think we yeah. have violated our principles, which we didn't just to vote for Trump. I, look, I think, uh, uh, look, I, I don't want to tell anybody I practice my religion, but my, my, my Jesus wasn't a pushover. Right. Okay. Right. He, 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 he said X and X it is. And he was forceful about it. And in fact, he died. Uh, uh, standing up for what he believed in. And that's what we need to do. You are not a bad Christian because you tell somebody, no, you're, you're wrong. Yeah. That's not so. And even if it makes them sad, sometimes you got to go into a temple and kick over some tables. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And, you know, I, th- I was kind of encouraged because you had recently wrote that you're actually optimistic, despite some of these polls yes. that are coming out about, oh, Biden's ahead in Texas. Biden's ahead in every swing state. Oh, Biden, Biden. On. It's like the, the guy, every time <laughs> okay. he opens his mouth, I say this man needs to see a doctor. Why is he running for president? <laughs> Well, he does. Look, uh, I would uh, look. I'm a military guy, and I want to fight the strongest possible. Enemy. I want to fight the Democrat who is coherent, clear, charismatic, yep. competent, and on it. And that's that's who we need to be fighting. The reality is very different. I would much rather be Donald Trump in this than anyone else. Remember, we're hearing, you know, yesterday a bunch of polls came out. Some had Trump within the margin of error within three. That was Rasmussen. There are a couple of to ten. You know, 11, 15 points behind. Keep in mind, uh, President Dukakis was 17 points ahead in July yeah. of 1988. Yep. Um, the, the, the fact is, A, the campaign hasn't started. B, our message is so much more powerful. C, our messenger is so much more powerful. Uh, you, when Joe Biden you know, finally emerges from his basement, if he does, and I, I expect he will uh, find an excuse not to debate the president, but when people who aren't like us, who are, you know, swimming in the cesspool of politics, uh, are paying attention, they're going to start saying, look, I, Joe Biden may have been a nice guy once, but he's too old to do this. The president's vital. The president, you know, had us at 3.5 unemployment before we got into this uh, COVID mess. I trust him to get it out. Plus, and I think it's very important for an evangelical audience, the left under Joe Biden will declare war on believers because uh, God is a power center uh, outside. It can't be controlled by Marxists. They can't be controlled by the left. And that's why they hate it. And that's why they will do anything to destroy it. And if that may, you know, from, from suing poor Catholic nuns mm. who just want to practice their vision of their faith uh, in peace three times, three times yep. in the Supreme Court, right. to, uh, uh, to trying to close our uh, uh, churches when we don't want to. Hey, you know, it should be our choice, church's decision how to manage their stuff. Yes. To uh, uh, just petty oppressions 
and a bigotry against us. They will declare war on us, and there is no doubt. Look, Donald Trump may not be the per- a, a perfect guy, but, you know, I, I'm reading through the Old Testament right now. Uh, there were a lot of imperfect people. David was imperfect. Solomon was imperfect. Moses was imperfect. Everybody's an imperfect vessel. But they got it done. Yep. Yep. Really, really good. And a great book, The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump. And you check it out. Kurt Schlichter, so great to have you here. Thanks a lot, Kurt, for being with us. Thanks for having me. You bet. God bless you. And thanks again for being here. We'll be right back on Janet Meffer today. This Janet Mefford Today archived broadcast is brought to you by Bible League International. Please help us send 1,200 Bibles to persecuted Christians in Asia. $5 sends one Bible, $35 sends seven. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 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 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today, and now here's your host, Janet Mefford. Thanks so much for being with us. I want to talk a little bit about this new headline in Christianity Today. I always hate when I have to give you Christianity Today updates. But I got to tell you about this one because you might have heard that Andy Stanley, who is the senior pastor at North Point Community Church in Georgia, they have several campuses, is the son of Charles Stanley. And he's also the guy that said we have to unhitch the Old Testament. You remember that, Andy Stanley? He now says no worship services in person at his church until 2021. Now, this is quite amazing in in many ways, because I don't even hear politicians saying we need to close down everything until 2021. We need to close down. Well, what do they close down besides churches? That's pretty much all they close down in today's pandemic idealism. Anyway, so Andy Stanley made this announcement. And according to Christianity Today, more pastors agree with him. They're reporting that 5% of church leaders say they don't expect to reopen for the rest of the year. I mean, isn't this something you would want to take week by week? Perhaps since the CDC has already reported that we've had our 11th straight week of death rates declining and that they're on the verge of saying it's not even an epidemic anymore. You'd think that would give them a little hope instead of just coming out and saying, nah, church is off for the rest of the year. Who does this? Who does this? If something could happen next week. Something could happen in a month. Why wouldn't you hedge your bets and say, we're hoping that by, I don't know, fill in the date, September, we'll be able to meet in person without any problems whatsoever. Not, not Andy. He had this to say. Listen to cut one. Based on the uptick in COVID-19 cases, the results of our attendee surveys and the experiences of churches that have already reopened, we've decided to suspend in-person adult worship services for the remainder of the year. Now, as you would imagine, that was not a casual uh, decision. In fact, back in May, when we announced a possible August 9 reopening, uh, the COVID numbers were actually moving in the right direction. Um, That has changed. Consequently, we cannot guarantee your safety. And that's a big part of this decision. And here's the thing. Even if we did reopen, we certainly would not be able to create a quality adult or children's worship experience with social distancing protocols in place. Oh man, what do I do with this particular 
cut because there's so much to talk about. First, let's go backwards a little bit. We wouldn't be able to provide you with the quality worship experience that you've come to expect. Well, you know, say that to some 10-member church in Bush, Alaska. Sorry, guys, we're not going to have church because we can't provide you with a quality worship experience. What is a quality worship experience in most churches? Reading the word of God and singing praises to God as he commands us in his word. That's a quality worship experience. As if it's something that you have to tick off on your list of great experiences on a survey at the end of your Disneyland tour or something. What, what is that? Well, you know, you'll be six feet apart. So... I don't even understand why that matters. Well, it matters to him. Also, he cannot guarantee your safety. I'm sorry, when did churches ever guarantee safety? What about some of those churches in the Middle East that have to worry about getting firebombed or or have some terrorists come in in the middle of the service and set off a suicide bomb? Yeah, you know, that, that's, that's a church that really can't guarantee your safety. And yet those Christians manage to gather, don't they? What about Christians in Nigeria? What about Christians in Sudan? What about Christians in some of these scary hotspots around the world? Are they guaranteeing people's safety, Andy? And we've had enough church shootings in the United States where no pastor can guarantee your safety. You can do the best you can with security. And in certain places, you can have armed security, obviously. But you can't guarantee anybody's safety ever. It's just crazy. Plus, the fact of the matter is he started out by saying based on surveys and the experiences of other churches. And he doesn't go into very much detail on that. But so what? Is that is that how we determine whether or not we're going to gather for public worship is based on surveys where people in your church say, I don't want to come. This is what I don't understand. If you don't want to come, nobody's going to make you come. Why can't people who want to worship in person worship in person and take their chances? All of this is just nuts. So then he explains more about his reasons. This is cut to. If we open and a volunteer, a child or a student or an adult who attends any of our environments tests positive after the fact, we're responsible for doing all the contact tracing. And that would be, I mean, that would be the right thing to do. That's the responsible thing to do. But that would be pretty much an impossible thing to do. If you've been part of any of our churches for any length of time, you can imagine how difficult, again, next to impossible that would be. And honestly, that's just one of several unforeseen factors that other churches are running into. So the truth is I actually have a lot of faith. In fact, I have so much faith that I'm absolutely confident that the church and our local churches will not only survive this, but I think ultimately we're going to thrive as a result. Um, Besides, as you've heard me say on many occasions, we are the church. And whether we gather in circles and driveways in the church parking lot or online or in our homes, the church is going to be fine. We're going to continue to meet other people's needs. Uh, we're going to continue to serve the community. We're going to continue to uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus in each other's lives, as well as the lives of people who aren't even a part of one of our churches. So when we reopen, I'm absolutely confident we're going to reopen strong. And I'm confident of that because I'm confident in you. Okay, you're confident in people. Well, if the church can gather anywhere and they flash up a picture of people six feet apart on a driveway, then why can't you gather in your church? Hey, it's no skin off my nose if North Point Community Church meets or not. I'm just talking about logic here. If you can gather people six feet apart in a church parking lot or six feet apart in a driveway, why can't you gather six feet apart in your church? 
What's the difference? And by the way, on the contact tracing issue, so far as I understand it, the state of Georgia does not require churches to conduct contact tracing. They hire people to do contact tracing. And I'm not trying to split hairs here. I'm sure probably what he means is we have to keep track of people who have COVID, blah, 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 all that stuff. But I I just think that's a really lame excuse. It is a lame excuse. I want to know, is he going to continue to get his paycheck? Throughout the rest of 2021, because uh, uh, 2020, I should say, because that's a really good deal. I wonder, I wonder about some of these pastors who are all in on making sure their churches stay closed. That's bizarre. And the ones who seem to be going in that direction are the ones who are liberals. Why is that? Well, maybe because your church tends to be more of a self-help entertainment center or a social justice club than it tends to be focused on the living God and worshiping him in spirit and in truth and standing on the inerrant word of God. I'm sorry, but I can't really count Pastor Andy Stanley among those who are standing on the inerrant word of God. I go back to this you know, great article from Frank Wright. I interviewed him about this a few months back. You'll remember about the drift of evangelicalism. And he wrote at the time, the most astonishing departure from biblical authority comes from Pastor Andy Stanley, who called Christians to unhitch their faith from the Old Testament. Stanley argues that the Old Testament is not the Christian's guide for any behavior in the church. And he calls church unity more important than biblical fidelity. So there you go. But what about the rest of these people? 5% of church leaders say they don't expect to reopen for the rest of the year. No, I'm not even making this up. So another local congregation they cite is Atlanta Christian Church, which announced it would not be returning to in-person services this year either. The pastor, Derek Swetman, said, It does not mean, however, that we are closed. On the contrary, this decision has allowed our pastoral staff to move forward with new plans and ideas. I don't know what that means. Meanwhile, around half of pastors say their churches are already back to meeting in the regular locations for in-person services. It's less than half. This is according to Barna. That number is down slightly from late June when 56% said they had reopened. And Kinneman said, the, uh, David Kinneman, head of Barna, said the differences between churches that are open or closed aren't as big as you'd imagine. I was expecting Northeast and West to be almost categorically closed. But what we find is, like in states as big as California or New York, there's actually a big range of churches and environments in those places from urban to suburban to rural. While the vast majority of congregations have complied with public health directives to prevent the spread of coronavirus, several church gatherings have resulted in significant outbreaks. Okay, again, we're back to that. The linked to from the New York Times database. I have not seen definitive proof that they can say without a shadow of a doubt that people who went to church caught it at the church. I'm not saying there are no links, but again, there's an awful lot of link to churches, link to churches, link to churches without substantive proof. And call me old school, but unless you show me substantive proof, I'm going to hedge my bets that maybe you don't really have the story down correctly. This is where we are, folks. We're going to come back. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. Stay with us. Janet Meffer today is proud to partner with Preborn to help save babies' lives. Well, my name is Dan Steiner, and I'm the president of Preborn. Ultrasound truly is a game changer. When a mom comes into a pregnancy center, 
under pressure to abort her child. Perhaps the dad's gone. Perhaps her mother is pressuring her. Most of the time in her heart, she doesn't want to abort. But what she needs is something that will give her the strength to choose life against the pressures that are forcing her to consider abortion. That's the ultrasound. If she hears her baby's heartbeat and sees that baby on ultrasound, everything's different. Will you join us in saving babies' lives? Preborn funds pregnancy centers across the nation so they can offer free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. Ultrasound is a game changer because when abortion-minded women actually see their babies in their wombs for themselves, 80% of the time, they choose life. Would you please join us at Janet Meffer today to support the ministry of Preborn? For $140, you can provide five free ultrasounds to women in crisis pregnancies. One ultrasound is just $28, and every gift helps. To donate, please call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your gift goes directly towards saving babies. You can get involved, and you can help save a life for a gift of $140. Five free ultrasounds will be offered to women in crisis pregnancies. Let's do more than talk about abortion. Let's save some lives. Please call now with your gift, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-BABY. 855-402-2229. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, it is great to see that three California churches are now pushing back legally against that state's insane ban on singing and chanting inside houses of worship. Not only are the churches charging that the state doesn't have the jurisdiction to ban singing, but they're also pointing out that the governor has inconsistently protected leftist protesters' freedom of expression while curtailing the freedom of Christians. So we're going to get the details now with attorney Netta Higuera who is associated at Tyler and Bursch LLP. Netta, so good to have you with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, give us a little history on this, because I know it was July 1st, wasn't it, when this worship guidance was issued by California, but then several other things have transpired since then. They've shut down churches. But if it was guidance, then how in the world could they ever have any teeth to it in order to make churches do it in the first place? Right, yes. Every every restriction that they've put down so far that the governor has sent down has had the language of guidance, but yet the, the language itself in the document that's titled the guidance document says churches must, houses of worship must, and even up at the Supreme Court, the state has defended them as legal mandates, and so um, they do title it as guidance. They speak it of both sides of their mouth by saying this is guidance, yet they're saying it's also mandated law. Well, right, which is weird. That's the first thing that's pretty weird about it. But the other thing is, why in the world is it okay for these protesters to be out on the streets singing and chanting, but Christians can't do it? Oh, right, exactly. Tens of thousands of people can march in the street and chant and shout at the top of their lungs. That even in a house of worship, where you you wear a mask and social distance, hypothetically, you can't even sing then. You can't even sing praises to God, socially distanced, wearing a mask indoors. 
Yeah. Do you know, have churches actually been complying with this guidance, so so to speak? I know that you had one spokeswoman for California saying you have to follow this worship band, but are, are people really following it? Have you heard anything about it? Yeah, so there are some that are following it, or they're moving their services outdoors, because currently the singing band is only applicable indoors, although when it first came out, it was applicable indoors and outdoors. So some churches are moving outdoors if that's feasible. Others are disregarding it, because now they've seen that this is not about public health when the church is targeted through banning worship. And so... You know, they are following their content over following the governor's dictates of how they should worship. Yeah. Now, talk a little bit. I know that there have been a number of lawsuits filed against California unsuccessfully over the issue of in-person church bans and, you know, regulations that would affect churches. And and they haven't been too successful in California with some of those lawsuits. But you're saying this ban violates the plaintiff's constitutional rights under the First Amendment and the Equal Protection Clauses. Can you explain the case, the argument that is to be made on behalf of these churches? Right. So one of the main arguments is, first, that this ban only applies to houses of worship. So the singing and chanting ban is only applicable to houses of worship. Everywhere else, you can sing, you can chant, um, and, and especially in the counties that are still open. Um, you can make a music video, for example, and sing in that and have a whole production, but you can't do it in houses of worship. So on its face, the order targets houses of worship only. And secondly, like you mentioned, the the desperate treatment of protesters versus um, singing in houses of worship. So that's that's where equal protection comes in, where you have a governor allowing uh, certain things and not allowing others. And it's the same, looking at the public health risk would be the same, if not worse, in a protest. And so those are our two bases. And you know, we, we don't have our hope in the California court system, but we are taking a stand and fighting anyways because we cannot let this go unchecked. Good. Why do you think it is that the governor issued this or the state of California issued this singing ban? Because, it, I mean, it's insane. Nobody else in any other state, so far as I know, has gone this far with trying to shut down churches. Is there any explanation that the state has given on why this guidance was necessary in the first place? Yes, well, they say that singing um, increases a higher risk of transmission because your uh, droplets are in the air. And so that's what they're basing it on. Although, again, they're not banning singing anywhere else or chanting anywhere else. Um, but that's what they base it on is, um, you know, th- these airborne droplets that get into the air, even with supposedly a mask and social distancing. Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask next, because just recently, California hit a record high number of cases. And California has been one of the strictest states around about mandating masks. I mean, you have a mandate uh, to wear a mask in California, right? Right. Yeah, you do have to wear a mask anytime you're in a public place. Yeah. So so if you are wearing a mask and you are socially distancing in a church, how in the world would that be any different than Walmart? It's not like people walk around Walmart refusing to speak. People talk all the time right. in Walmart. Right. I, the, our argument is there is no difference. There really isn't. 
Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm curious to ask just in the details. I don't know how many of the details are really available uh, in this regard. But one of the things that I've noticed on the national level is you see the media attributing a lot of cases uh, such as The New York Times just a few days ago, that cases are linked to churches. And then when you read the entire article, they never definitively prove that those cases were linked to churches. They just assert it as fact. Do you think that the media narrative has had an effect on the way some of these governors, particularly Governor Newsom, treats churches? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and those stories get a lot of attention because that's what that's what they want to see, and they want to be able to blame something. They'll never say, oh, a grocery store, you know, that, that it was attributed to a grocery store or anything like that. It's churches. Churches, it seems as though um, people practicing their faith have a higher risk of transmission. I, it doesn't make any sense to me, but, um, yeah, those cases get a lot of media attention, and, you know, perhaps... The, these governors, in, our Governor Newsom in California is trying to do what's in the best interest of public health. It doesn't appear that way. But even if he were, there's a there's a way to go about it, such as the mask and the social distancing, which is what churches were doing, and those restrictions are in place. And so, it, you know, to outright ban singing and worship without any compromises, it's, it goes too far. Yeah. Where is the wall of separation Anymore. I mean, this has come up during the course of the pandemic where you have governors issuing executive orders without the legislatures and a lot of these states ever having weighed in on on the limits on the governor's power to affect churches. I mean, is this something that has been addressed at all in courts or has it been brought up at all that, you know, you can go this far, but not any farther on this? Well, so far the, car- the, the courts have said in, in California, both state and federal, that, that it's okay. And so we're hoping to, to find that line and to establish it and, and draw that line in the sand to where, you know, in the future this, this can't happen, or at least that we'll know where the line is. There has to be a limit. There really does, because the First Amendment wasn't written in vain. Our founding fathers didn't put that in there yeah. just for fun. And it's it's not like there's a pandemic exception to the First Amendment. So we do desperately have to find that. And hopefully through these lawsuits, we, we can establish that. But so far, we haven't been successful. Yeah, well, I really think this is, this is an even better case, because when you had, if I'm remembering correctly, the Ninth Circuit upheld the governor's ban on in-person church services. And wasn't it... Uh, based on the fact that these churches were not being treated differently than other entities? Wasn't that part of the argument? Yes, that's correct. And so here you do have the houses of worship specifically targeted, and this this ban only applies to houses of worship. Yeah, makes a difference. So these yeah. these churches that are involved in this lawsuit, a couple, of, a couple of Calvary chapels and then River of Life Church, what effect has this singing ban had on these churches? What what made them and motivated them to go this far, which I think is very commendable, to take legal action to seek a remedy here? Um, I mean, they just were fed up with it. And them having to make that decision between complying with the law or complying with their faith and exercising their faith, it was a tough place to be. And so just having to weigh that and the chilling effect that that has, knowing that 
they can be arrested or fined for singing worship music. Uh, that's where they wanted to take a stand. Netta Higuera, I really appreciate your being with us from Tyler and Birch LLP. They are the ones who are involved uh, in addition to the ACLJ in this lawsuit that is defending these churches on the issue of singing. And I'm glad to see it. I'm really glad to see these churches taking the stand that they're taking because they are doing this stance on behalf of not just themselves, but also other churches throughout the state of California and really other churches around the country. This hour, Janet Mefford today has been brought to you by Bible League International. Please help us send 1,200 Bibles to needy Christians in Asia. $5 sends one Bible. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Thank you so much, and God bless.